All right, we are back here with another episode of Contextualize as we're looking through Acts, and it is 2021 now. So, yeah. people probably assumed it was like our our zany 2020 idea that <laughs> that was just done. But we're continuing we tried. here. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's been almost a month since we've been here. Yes. So, but Christmas and other things, and so yeah, it's it's good to be back. Just. I was excited to do it this week. I don't know. Just get back in it. These are some of the most enjoyable 20 minutes of just not deep commentary reading, not just the word just of God. Reading just reading. And, and, you know, there's a, yeah. there's a, certainly there's a history of contextual awareness of what's going on in Acts, but it's not fresh necessarily. And so when you right. just engage God's word, it's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to be here this morning. Um, just uh, before we dive in, um, I was thinking it'd be kind of fun. I, I walked into your office, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, and you were working on some Charles Simeon stuff, which folks have heard you talk about preaching workshops and stuff. So, you know, you got one coming up. Could maybe just share kind of how, how'd you get involved with this? Oh what gosh, do you got coming up? Just tell us a little about question. it. Unplanned <laughs> question. So, yeah, sitting on the fireplace in my office behind me is about 15 outlines from previous <laughs> uh, previous instructions, um, some given by me, some that I've listened to. Um, so I'm blessed to be an instructor with the Charles Simeon Trust, and the Charles Simeon Trust uh, conducts workshops on preaching, workshops on biblical exposition, and so where pastors get the chance to work on the word work. And so Christ Community should have heard me reference that. They've, you all have known that over the last three years there's been a one or two times a year I'll travel somewhere and be an instructor. I'm humbled to do that. Um, but essentially the workshops, I started attending them as a as a participant right after I graduated from seminary. So I was a pastor at Harmony in Kingsport, yeah. and I would take my one week of study leave and fly to Chicago or drive to Chicago and live at my mentor's house, who I did my internship with, and then would attend a workshop. And so the workshops go through all sorts of different themes of Scripture, whether it's how to preach Christ from the Gospels, how to preach uh, from New Testament epistles, um, mm-hmm. How do we preach Christ from Old Testament narrative or prophecy or the wisdom literature? And so probably for six or seven years, I would attend. And eventually I was asked, Jim, would you be a a small group leader? Because at these workshops, as uh, AJ, you know, um, each attendee, each pastor will be asked to produce an outline on two different texts that are assigned. And, you know, what's the structure of the text? What's the theme? What's the aim of the author? How would I preach it in my congregational context um, and how do I most directly effectively and also as revealed by the text preach Jesus Uh and the gospel and so it it's work that the the participants have to do and so I would do that each year then one one year they said would you be a small group leader because you've been around every single year for a while you won't go away (laughs) and then out of the blue I guess it was 2010 or 11 right when we were planting the church in Pennsylvania I got an email saying hey the ministry's grown too large to have like big keynote speakers people with names and book titles to their uh and sort of their resume and just we want regular teachers who are just wrestling in ministry in small church or large church context and so would you fly up and be trained to be an instructor and so i did in 2000 i think it was 2011 i don't know okay and then uh after that they said we might call you and (laughs) and then they called and said would you go to india man uh because you've never done this before for us and when you travel to a foreign place like that you're actually going to go do three workshops back to back in different cities of india so so india was your first yeah 
time leading and so i went with a a colleague and and a mentor in the faith um for me uh the guy who directs the charles simeon trust named robert kinney and um so that way i could do three workshops in a row and be an instructor through a translator of course but so i went to india three times and i've been privileged to to do a workshop in wichita kansas and texas and um so i've been asked to go back to texas in february if covid does not cancel travels or anything and i'll be uh with a bunch of pastors wrestling through how to preach Christ from Old Testament narrative um, through the book of First Samuel. So cool. I'm reviewing old outlines and realizing <laughs> I've got about a month and a half. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, well, that's neat. And, I, and I'll just share, I, I've been thankful. Um, I don't know how long it's been. seems like at least six months. Um, Bill and Jim and myself have met pretty much every Monday morning to kind of follow this model for our own uh, as we go through whatever text we're preaching um, coming up on Sunday morning. So that's been, I think, really helpful for me and I think for all of us just to get in the Word together and, and kind of it's been great. share those And thoughts. so if I can even so. amplify, so just this past Monday, for example, Bill and AJ both present, had five minutes to present the work that they'd pre-done in the, the upcoming passages in 1 Corinthians. And then what we'll do is we'll read the text, we pray together, uh, each of the brothers, whoever's assigned for that Monday morning, will will show their work. And, um, and then... One of the other people among the three of us will just ask, you know, try to be complimentary of the work that's been done because we all benefit from someone wrestling with God's word. But then also kind of ask a question to probe deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so for the Christ community folks listening here, every Lord's Day, if I'm the one preaching, I'm oftentimes also guided by the notes of AJ or Bill uh, through that time frame. And so... Uh, and we usually are, what, two weeks ahead? Three weeks ahead? Yeah. We, a couple. <laughs> kind of ebbs and flows, but we, we aim to be about three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's something that we are seeing bear fruit here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's been neat. But um, yeah, I just thought that would be helpful. Thank you I, for I've asking. heard you talk about it a ton, but uh, and, and folks at church. It's been the single it, most but... influential part of mm. life for me as a pastor. Just how do you study the Bible? Yeah. Um, when things are hard, when contexts change, when. Um, there's any number of themes you could preach on. Do you know how to handle the text in its context and show people Christ? Yeah. And so that yeah. just takes work. Yep. Yep. Man, well, thanks for sharing. Um, well, let's let's look at Acts. Uh, this morning, or afternoon, at rather, we are going to be looking at Acts 11, 19 to 30. So um, last time we met, which you know was a couple weeks ago, we did Acts 10 and 11, um, kind of up to verse 18. And then today we'll, we'll pick up on the rest of um, chapter 11 here. Um, and so just, just kind of how it starts, just to give us a little context where we're at. Verse 19, Now the, he says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. And so that's going back um, to chapter 7 in the very beginning of chapter 8. So there's, he talks, he has uh, Stephen's persecution, and then he talks about Philip, and then he talks about Saul's conversion, and he talks about Peter and Cornelius, which we did last time. And so Luke's really saying, all right, you know, now kind of going back to that persecution uh, that we saw there. Well, what's interesting uh, is so they go to Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch. So the, the gospel's going forth through these uh, through this persecution. Uh, but it says that they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But then verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. So there's this speaking only to the Jews and then speaking to the Hellenists also. So what what's going on here? 
I think it's showing us the depth at which the issue that Peter wrestled with, as far as God saying, you know, don't declare anything unclean that I've made clean. Peter went uh, to Cornelius' house and said, God's shown me. Um, that the, and he went and re- reported to the church what happened when the Holy Spirit fell. Like The gospel's for Jew and Greek alike. Jesus is the promised one of Israel, but he's also the savior of the world. And so mm-hmm. you have the story of Acts going forward of the gospel being for the nations. But clearly when this kind of, you're right, it's going back to chapter 8 a little bit, but just a summary there that some were scattered after that persecution and they still didn't fully understand the nature of the gospel being for all the nations. Others did. Yeah, right. And so you almost have, um, you, you could say that the way Acts has proceeded is, you know, it's followed the life of Peter, for example, mm-hmm. or whatever. And so it'd be like digging into AJ's life and saying, okay, AJ, this was his story. Now let's track with AJ a little bit. Um, but then let's go back. And who has AJ interacted with over the course of the last years of his life? Yep. And where did they go? And all oh, that person came here for ETSU and they were under AJ's leadership at crew, but now they moved away and now they were scattered. And what happened through their life and how did the gospel go forward through them? That's kind of what's happening yeah. in this text. Um, right. But clearly they don't yet all understand or believe the same thing about the nature of the gospel of Jesus being for, for all everybody. People. Yeah. Yeah, and so I just, and you know, we, this is called contextualize, and, and we we want to read God's word in context. Um, and this passage just flows so well out of what we talked about last time, chapter 10 and chapter 11 with Peter and Cornelius, and um, just the Lord making it abundantly clear through that that the gospel is for all, that um, Jesus is for the Gentiles just as he is for the Jews. Um, but here we're seeing that kind of worked out in an additional way. And that that reality of the gospel being for all, I mean, it doesn't just get kind of solved here and it never gets dealt with again. It, it carries really throughout. Um, we see it prop up in, in the rest of the New Testament as well. And they continue to wrestle with it in the Jerusalem church. Yeah. So yeah. much like any group of leaders, uh, you know, we've been very blessed with unity among the elders at Christ community, but we don't always see things the same way, nor in the same timeline, if you will. And that's sort of what happens here. You can imagine some of the Jerusalem churches already heard Peter share about, uh, you know, his vision and what he saw. Um, and now all of a sudden you have, um, the church in Jerusalem hearing this testimony and they're sending Barnabas Mm -hmm. to, to check it out. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they send Barnabas there. In um, verse 23, just like jumps off the page at me when I read it. Um, it's really interesting how he says it. He says, when Barnabas came to Antioch and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them. But what's interesting to me is that the way Luke describes it is that Barnabas came there. He, he got to Antioch and he saw the grace of God. And like, just as you, as you envision this, like, Obviously, he's not seeing, you know, the grace of God in this kind of tangible way. But what, what does that mean? Like, what, what do you think he's seeing? So that's the verse that jumped off the page for me, too. The, the summary that Luke gives in verse 23 to what Barnabas saw. So we have to, it's what Barnabas saw, but it's also how Luke chose to record the yeah, kingdom of right. God in visible plain sight. Yep. Saw the grace of God. Um, I don't know. Uh, I have had maybe one dominant moment in my life where I showed up and I just could see the full-orbed effect of God's grace permeating culture. And actually, it was one of the India trips. Um, we were there. We saw a lot of missionaries. We did a lot of teaching among um, you know local uh, pastors. And one of the organizations, as well as friends, that, that I was privileged to go see, they 
had a ministry of making tapestries and stu stuff using those who were stricken with polio from the edges of town. And they did Friday evening worship services and stuff. But they were a for-profit uh, entity, and they were selling bags as well as um, linens all across the West, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have a hundred or so polio-stricken, um, lowest caste in, in society individuals who are experiencing love, making good wages, Friday evening worship services before they go uh, go home for the weekend. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And and it was a real business, producing phenomenally yeah. good things for the glory of God and the good of others. And I'll never forget getting off of our little um, van we were riding in just to go visit this mission place. And it was a business. We weren't going to see a church plant, but we saw people who had joy, who were loved, and it was unconditional. Yeah. And they experienced in Christ something that was not held out to them in any part of their community and culture. These were the yeah. forgottens. These were uh -huh. the set asides and so yeah I can imagine yeah. like this is what grace looks like right they didn't do anything to earn this yeah and it's full orbed it's not just that someone said here's a message you need to believe it's here let me help comfort provide for you and serve your family you. Yeah. serve you yeah. in a way that no other place has and maybe will in this particular culture yeah. and so I mean I'm sure we all have small examples but there's something potent that Barnabas saw yeah it's just beautiful and to think about the reality that where the gospel goes it does bear fruit um, and just and obviously is you know if we look at the rest of the text here the people in Antioch are receiving the word right that they're, they're they're hearing it they're believing they're turning to the Lord uh, they're coming to faith um, you, you have this kind of picture of, of not only the Jews being preached to there but the Hellenists and, and, and probably God at work not only individually to redeem them, but there's this communal effect in it as well. Um, so just, yeah, I, I just think that though we can't put our fingers on the grace of God per se, we can put our fingers on what the grace of God does. Right, and well, the lives. thing we can put our finger on is, is he exhorted them, verse 23, to remain faithful mm -hmm. to the Lord with steadfast purpose because God is faithful. Yeah, And so the message of his grace, which again, it doesn't dismiss the law. We, we, we seek to be holy, but we're not holy. Therefore, we depend on his grace to cover our sin. And we want the kingdom of, of grace to come down to earth as it is in heaven. Um, but to stay steadfast in it and not let it be a fleeting feeling um, is essentially what Barnabas encouraged them to do is stay yeah. faithful. Yeah. And, you know, stay we're living in, in weird times right now, but I, I have to be thankful for how frequently I have had congregation members at Christ Community come up to me and say, hey, thanks for keeping it steadfast and focusing, just staying focused on the same things. Well, yeah. what other option do we have, first right. of all, if yeah. we would be faithful? Yeah. Yeah. But God will be faithful if we will be faithful mm -hmm. to his primary gospel being declared, you know, um, him sanctifying us by his law, us turning to him as a repentant community, which is yeah. the core yeah. storyline of Acts. Right, right. And so I think it's amazing that Barnabas says, hey, this is not to be short-lived. Yeah. Stay true to it. Yeah. And then even, you know, if we jump down to 25, so he goes to Tarsus, he gets Saul and brings him back there. <laughs> and then for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. Um, and so like Barnabas sees the need there for these new believers and this new believing community. 
and he goes and gets Saul and, and together, they just teach for, for the whole year. And, and you can imagine more of this in exhorting to remain faithful uh, with steadfast purpose uh, going and on Paul for the whole time. He, he's the apostle to the Gentiles who's been told by God how much he's going to suffer yeah. for the sake of showing God's pathway of Jesus' suffering. But he's also had this pedigree, this life of being trained at you know the feet of Gamaliel and, and being this very well-trained Jew. Mm-hmm. And so to think that he was there with Barnabas for a year, yeah. and you think that the very description in verse nineteen twenty about there's there's the Jews camp and the Gentiles camp, talk about two men uniquely equipped to sit there for a year and disciple people and understanding how the gospels for all nations. Right, that's phenomenal. Yep. Well, let me let me ask you this, just kind of jumping from the text here, um, and you, you touched on it a little bit, but um, just thinking about Christ community. Thinking about our church, what God's doing here, how how do you see the grace of God here at Christ Community? Like, what what are some ways that the grace of God is at work, whether it's individuals or communally or together? Just any kind of encouragement in that that you think of. Well, in some settings, I see people full of thanksgiving and joy when they shouldn't be full of thanksgiving hmm. and joy, and I feel that pretty strongly right now i just see people who through tears are showing hope that they could never manufacture themselves yeah um and it could be on set the struggle could be on set from a lot of realms it could be our cultural struggles it could be health related it could be isolation it could be family struggles marriage struggles so i don't want to point to the cause but I've sat with people who are exuding grace and I've been able to say thank you for reminding me of the power of the gospel because that's all you have to hold on to. We've been talking about strength and weakness a little bit as a church and Mm -hmm. I think that that's another description of it is people who feel weak and tired um, are finding the the cross of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the promises of God to be what they have to cling to as opposed to transitory things that we get kind of used to clinging to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I yeah. know those are very vague answers. Um, probably the place I see God's grace the most is, you know, we, we live in a polar polarity. The times are, everybody's in polar opposite places. That's true at our church too. And I won't deny that. But I am so thankful for when God has given moments to pierce through that polarity and and see people long for righteousness, not just things to get better here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have spent a lot of time talking about Christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being unwilling to need to talk about a lot of the things, you know, we have people on different sides of the mass issues, but I'm not talking about it that much anymore. It was for a while. Right. Now yeah. we're talking about, Repentance, forgiveness, grace, reconciliation. Go to your brother if they've upset you or go to your brother if you've upset them. I think that's happening and I think that's grace. There is no motive other than the fact that I've received mercy so therefore I should extend mercy to others. And so um, I I see a lot of grace right now. Yeah, that's that's encouraging. Um, One of the things I was thinking of in that realm um, and I can think of kind of the tried and true folks who have been here for years, you know, kind of, they, they're part of Christ community. They've been part of it for years, for years and years. I think of, you know, newer folks and, um, you know, some of the membership conversations we've had over the last six months as people are joining or even just brand new visitors and talking with them. 
But it seems like in a lot of those conversations, one of the repeated ideas is a hunger for God's word to be, well, to be, to be spoken, <laughs> to be believed, to be faithfully taught. And um, I think that's something that, I, I, that's one way um, tangibly that I, I see God's grace at work among us is just a hunger for his word and a desire to be faithful to his word. And that's hard. That's something yeah. we all struggle with. But I think that longing, that desire for God's word to be taught faithfully, preached faithfully, and believed, and, and encourage belief in it for each other, it's, I don't know, that, that's something that, that comes to mind of how I see God's grace at work, too. So, that's, that's beautiful. Um, well, man, any, any last thoughts from you here? No, I mean... Just the word Christians at the end of yeah. verse 26. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And I think there's two words that we are unfamiliar with that are in that verse. Um, Christian is one. Uh-huh. What does it mean for the dominant identity of you, AJ, of me, of my family, of my covenant, and we are Christians? Mm-hmm. We, The sacrificial way of Jesus is the way of rescue. We want to live that out. The holiness of Christ who kept the law for us ought to be the motive for us to keep God's law as well, to give him glory. So we are Christians. That's yeah. what we are. I'm not an American. I'm not a Johnson Cityite. I'm not a runner. Right. I am not a coach. Yeah. I'm a Christian. Yeah. And um, I, with the different vocations of individuals in our congregation or the different family settings, there's a pull and a struggle to have those be our definitive reality. And right here, they were called Christians. Yeah. Now, the other word that, step, that stands out to me is they were disciples yeah, right. who were called Christians. And so even before they bore the name Christian, they were sitting at the feet of others who mm-hmm. would train them. Yeah. And so you, you have something that we want to see more of here at our church yeah. is people that say, hey, there's a mature brother or sister in Christ. I want to... Not just get to know them. I want to learn from them. Yeah, I want them and to disciple me. And, I want and train me and teach me. Unto me. being a faithful Christian. Christian. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's not a small verse right there. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's telling that that comes right after. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And the whole idea of discipleship is wrapped up in in that statement. And then, he, you know, he closes with what you were just pointing us to there. So, yeah. So go be a Christian this week if you are in Christ, but do so yeah. by discipling another or asking another to to pour into you because yeah. that's where teaching is um, profoundly applied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. That was good. Thanks. Hey, it's good to be back at it. Yes, it is. Yeah. We'll Hopefully we'll be more consistent. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it again soon. <laughs>